This message was recorded live at Plantation Seventh-day Adventist Church in Plantation, Florida. Welcome to PlantationSDA.tv. Here you will find a diverse variety of Bible-based topics and conversations. God's master plan to inspire your mind, bring peace to your heart, and uplift your soul. May you be blessed and encouraged as you listen to God's Word. to say aloha perfect you guys got it great and now that my mom is here she's nodding her approval (laughs) father god as i lift you up father may you be seen may you be felt May my words just be yours as you hide me behind your cross, Father. In your name, amen. So I'm going to ask for just a little audience participation. I'm going to ask you, how do you praise? Anybody? Anyone on this side? How do you praise? Singing. Anyone on this side, how do you praise? Huh? Prayer. Anyone on this side, how do you praise? Say it again. Sorry. Shouting, yes. There's a song, and I will date myself when I say this, but that's okay, because the majority of you are there with me. There's a song that Sandy Patty sings entitled, Let There Be Praise. And it goes, let there be praise, let there be joy in our hearts. Sing to the Lord, give him the glory. Let there be praise, let there be joy in our hearts. Forevermore, let his love fill the earth and let there be praise. But then, there's a second verse. And in that verse, it says, he inhabits the praise of his people. And he dwells deep within. The peace that he gives, none can equal. For his love, it knows no end. So lift your voices and with gladness sing, proclaim to all the earth that Jesus Christ is king. king. Yes, you know the song. I heard, I, I heard the, the humming of some of you. So now let me ask, how do you praise when your prayer is not answered? Huh? You still praise Say it again. Faith and persistence. How do you praise when the one thing that you've asked for so many years still does not happen for you? Realize that it's not what he wants for you. And give in to 
what his plan is. Amen, my brother. I'm going to take you just through, quickly through a series of our, of our Bible inspirational characters. Turn with me through 1 Samuel 2, 1 Samuel 2. It really begins in, in verse 1, but I'm just going to say 1 Samuel 2 because I'm going to give you the backstory. Here we find Hannah. Hannah married to our priest, and she is without child. She is barren, and they're old, beyond childbearing age. And she has prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for a child. And not only is she praying for this child, but she is being bullied. By who? She's being bullied by her sister-in-law who has children. And so her dear husband tries to, to fill in the gap and whenever Whenever he goes up to the temple and, and brings things for her, he gives her a double portion, and then, and then poor man says, well, aren't I enough? Isn't my love enough for you? But nothing quenches the need for her to have a child. And so we find in verse 10, one day she's going up, she went up to the temple, and it says here, and she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look upon the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. So she didn't just want any child. She wanted a, a male child. And the reason she wanted a male child was so that their legacy would continue on. The bloodline would continue. And so she, she's up there at the temple praying this prayer so bitter and in such agony that, have you ever prayed that prayer when you're just so hurt that the only thing that happens is your mouth is moving, but the prayer is in your heart. And she's praying this prayer, have you ever prayed a prayer and you've told God, Father, if you do this for me, see everyone's laughing already, you know what I'm saying, you make that pact. Father, if you do this for me, then I will do this for you. That's a dangerous prayer to make sometimes. Because then you have to, then you have to come through, follow through. See, my husband made a prayer. When he realized he would have no kids, he says, I just want one. <laughs> and all five of them are somewhere all around back here. <laughs> but are you able to follow through 
When you make this vow to God, see, at 26 weeks old, when I was born prematurely with a hole in my heart at two and a half pounds and told to my parents that I would not live even possibly with that open heart surgery, the night before my surgery, my parents fell to their feet and promised God and made a vow to God and said, if you save her, then we will ensure that she will know you and fear you and love you and serve you all the days of her life. And here I am trying to do just that. But the only way that happens is if we as parents instill that knowledge within, that, within our children. If we look back and say, hey, this is how God is answering our prayer. Now we have to answer back. And so now here's Hannah. If you give me a male child, I will give him back to you. And so when he was very young, I'm going to say when she, weaning age, probably around one or two, she had weaned him, and then she had her baby brought up to the palace, temple, where he was raised for the rest of his life and became a servant for God. Could you do this? Could you follow through, women, if you were Hannah, could you follow through with the one child you have been asking for, enjoy him for a year and a half, two years, and then say, all right, he will now go out of my presence and live in the temple. Would this be easy to do? No. But she did, and in, and how did she praise? In 1 Samuel 2, we find Hannah's prayer. And it says, and Hannah prayed and said, my heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. She has a whole prayer. But I love that part because she was able to show her enemies that God was coming through for her. Can you praise like this? When God answers a prayer, will you give back what you had promised to give him? Can you praise even in your anguish, in your barrenness? And when it is answered, can you then follow through and give him back what you promised? Turn with me to Luke 7. And here we find the story of the woman who is anointing Jesus Luke 7, and it will begin around 44, but here's the back story here. Some, some preachers link this story to the woman caught in adultery found in John. And if we do that, 
The woman caught in adultery was cast at the feet of Jesus, expecting to be stoned, expecting to die. And she was ridiculed with the crowd, but the thing that she heard was the brushing of sands underneath the rabbi's fingertips. And then the words, where are your accusers? And she looks up and she says, Lord, there is not. And then he says, well, then neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. If we take this woman and connect it, connect her to this woman found in Luke 7, this woman who says, for better words or not, she is an adulteress or a prostitute. This woman spends her life savings on expensive oil, on an alabaster box to put it in, and going against all social cues, she wants to give praise to the one who has saved her. And against all social cues, she finds Jesus at the house of one of the Pharisees and enters. And back then, that was a big no-no because women were not allowed where groups of men gathered. But uncaring, she finds him. She uncovers her hair. Because the verse says... She's wiping his feet with her hair. And hair back then was considered a woman's glory, her crowning glory. This is why heads were covered. Could only be seen by their husbands or other close family members. And so now, not only does this woman uncover her hair, pour the oil, pour all of her life's savings upon the feet of the master, weep out her soul in thankfulness, but she wipes his feet with her hair. She gave everything she had in praise to Jesus. Not one of her was missed. She didn't know what was going on through the minds of Simon. And Simon did say, do you know if this man knew who this woman was, she would not let him touch, let her touch him. But then Jesus tells a parable. And you know the parable, you know, there's a, there's a debtor who owes, two debtors who owes, one who owes much, one who owes little, both were forgiven. Who is the one that owes, that, that loves the most? And Simon answers, the one who owes, owes the most. And then Jesus says in verse 44, then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair of her head. You gave me no kiss. But this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since 
The moment I came in, you didn't not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. So now watch what Jesus does. Not, not only does he affirm her actions, not only does, she, does he accept her gift in front of the society that she was not supposed to be in front of, but he affirms her faith and he gives her back her life. And he says to her, your sins are forgiven. To the point that those at the table says, who is this man who can forgive sins? Then he says to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Did she deserve? Did she deserve the gift of being saved and being saved from being killed? Did she deserve it back in that day? No, she did not deserve it, but she received it. And the praise that came from her didn't just come piecemeal. She gave everything in praise. Do you give everything in praise to God when you received and knowing that you did not merit what he has given you. Do you praise fully? Moving on. Now we go to back to 2 Samuel and we find in verse 12, in verse 12, I'm going to start with verse 15, but I'm not going to fully read it. So here we have, David has committed adultery with Bathsheba, and now there's a baby in Bathsheba's womb. And then it says, and the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bore to David, and it became ill. You notice that it doesn't say, and the Lord uh, struck the child that belonged to David. He, he, he completely says Uriah's wife. Because in the time that that child was conceived, she still belonged to Uriah. And no marriage that followed after Uriah's murder could not cover what had happened. And so, David's pleading. David's pleading with God. So let me ask you, you know that you've done wrong. You have done something unforgivable, and you are pleading with God for forgiveness, knowing that you deserve the punishment that is going to come. But you're praying that God, with his infinite grace and mercy, is going to let you slide. And here's David pleading, pleading, pleading with God. It says, 
He fasted and went in and laid all night on the ground. Now, we believe in fasting and prayer, right? We believe that fasting and prayer can do monumental things when done in the right way. Amen? And David was pleading. On the seventh day, the child died. Servants were afraid to tell the king because if he was this way when the child was alive, how would he be when told the child was now dead? This also shows us that sometimes no amount of fasting and prayer that falls from our lips can change the mind of God if we are reaping a consequence. If there is a lesson that needs to be learned because sometimes no matter how much we are sorry about something we've done, there is still a consequence. And God is going to allow us to experience that consequence. That is also his love. So we know what we've done. And so they're afraid to tell David that the, that the child is dead. And then David hears the whisperings and he asks his servants, is, he, is the child dead? And they said, he is dead. Now watch this, verse 20. David arose from the ground, washed and anointed himself, changed his clothes, and he went into the house of the Lord, and he, he what? what? What did David do? Didn't he just lose a child? But he went to worship. Can you still worship? And I'm really asking you now. Can you still worship while you are experiencing the consequence of your sin? Can you still worship and say, Father, you are still good? Can you? You can. Why? Because this goes back to the relationship that you have with your heavenly Father. Do you know him? Do you know the deep love that he has for you? Are you able to say, I know what I did was wrong, but God, you are still my God. And I know you love me, I know you forgive me, and I know that because of this, I'm going through this right now, because of my own folly. But because you love me, and I know that, I praise you still. Can you say that? David was worshiping. It didn't say that he just praised. He changed everything. He tore off his mourning. He put on fresh robes, and he went in to worship. This is how our worship should be. This is the kind of praise that should fall from our lips. Now we go on to Luke 1. Now what about the praise that you give when you're minding your own business and God asks you to do something extraordinary? 
When you're doing life as you should be, when you're coming to church, when you're reading your Sabbath school lesson, when you're having morning devotionals and evening devotionals with your family, and God visits you and says, you know what? I want you to do something extraordinary for me. I'm calling you to this mission. This mission that you have no idea how this is going to pan out, but I'm calling you to serve me. And you can see the pitfalls. See here in Luke 1, we have young Mary, who is a virgin, who is to be betrothed to Joseph, and the angel visits her and says, oh, by the way, guess what? If you say yes, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, you will be overshadowed, and you will conceive the King of Kings. And little Mary, you know the stigma that comes with pregnant women at that time is also stoning. But Mary, possibly thinking about all the things ahead of her, says in Luke 1, 38, Mary said, Behold the maidservants of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed there. Move on to Luke 1, 46 in her song. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit has... Rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and, his holy, and holy is his name, and his mercy is on those who fear him. From generation to generation he has shown strength with his arm scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. And she goes on, and she is singing the praise of God after she accepted the call on her life. How do you praise? When God asks you to do something monumental, and you cannot fathom how you're going to do it, but God asks you, Will you do this for me? Even if, even if it affects you in these ways, I will be with you. How do you praise? And how do you answer? Will you go ahead and do it? Finally, Luke 19. Luke 19, verse 25. Sorry. Verse 35, Jesus is making his triumphant entrance into Jerusalem. And he's been given a donkey who has not been yet sat on. And the Bible says, and they threw their own clothes onto the colt, the people. And they set Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. 
Then as he was drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. I remember as a child, I was a part of this cantata ever since I was five years old, Easter cantata. You know, I never understood it then. Of course, you're not going to understand as a child. But it came to the part where Jesus was making his triumphal, triumphant entry. And we were taught to, they had palm, you know, our director had palm fronds on the side. And we were taught to come singing down the aisle, waving the palm fronds and saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. And I can only imagine that it was played out exactly as how it says here. And I can appreciate it now, the worship that they were giving Jesus. See, back then, the idea of a triumphant entry was well known when it came to kings. Because the king would come through the cities, so the idea of this, the king would come through the city not on a donkey, but on a stallion, with his citizens, with the citizens of his city and his army. Sometimes they would bring the spoils of the war that they had just won. The people would be singing the king's praises, and he would have different symbols of authority. These were it. And then he would go, the king would go and make a sacrifice in the most prominent temple of that city. Now compare it with Jesus. Jesus turned this idea on its head. Jesus didn't enter on a stallion, but he entered on a humble donkey. His figures of the symbols of power and authority were a donkey and palm branches. And he had a motley crew following him and, and throwing their coats all over the roadway. And he didn't go and make a sacrifice at the temple, although he was a sacrifice, I didn't know that. But he challenged the religious leaders. And then he went to the temple and he cleansed it. And you will find that in down in verse 44 or something. It says he went and drove all the sellers out of the temple. And then he says this, and some of the Pharisees, here comes the rebuke, called to him from the crowd, teacher, rebuke your disciples, silence your disciples. And he answered to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. See, Jesus, up until that point, he never made a big deal about where he was going to be or what city he was going to next. He never announced himself. But that day, that day, he would allow the celebration and the announcement of him as Messiah. And he told the Pharisees, I cannot silence them, 
For if I silence them, the stones will cry out. And you wonder, what does it mean the stones will cry out? Did you, do you realize that earth as created by our Father God, the earth gives praise to him? In the song that the worship team sometimes sings, all the earth will declare that your love is everywhere. The fields will exalt, seas resound. Hear the trees joyful cry, praising you and so will I. A new song we'll sing, Lord, we will bless and glorify your holy name. See, Jesus knew that it was their turn, the disciples' turn, that they were going to cry out for all the good things that they had seen the Savior do. See, because when they cried out, this made the enemies tremble. This made the enemies fear that Jesus was going to be king. When we praise God, Satan trembles. When we praise God and let forth loose what's on our lips, he already knows that the battle has been lost. When we praise God with all our soul, heart, and mind, with no thought to what our current state is, Satan knows he no longer has a hold on us. And this is why we praise. This is why we praise. And that day, that day, the people praised and the stones stayed silent. How have you praised? How have you praised in 2022? What has happened to you? I'm pretty sure I know, I'm pretty sure a number was done in 2021. But how about 2022 when we're looking to come out of COVID? What has happened to your praise? Is the praise of God still on your lips? Two weeks ago, I left here, December 12-ish, to go home and bring my mom from Hawaii to help escort her. And we made a stopover in California to visit my dad's siblings and to just say thank you for everything that they'd done. Oh, and by the way, I saw Pastor Joe. I went to sing at his church. And he, he and he and Anda and family are doing fantastic, and they send their hellos. And two days into my trip, Armando calls me, and you know, you know how everything happens when you leave. Armando calls me nearly in tears. Our new, new. Two-year-old, new to us, two-year-old van, something had happened. He was driving along sunrise, and he hit something. He doesn't even know what he hit. It could have been a rock. 
because he went searching for it, but he called me in near tears, and he said, Jen, I am plodding around on the side of the road because I hit something, and the car will no longer drive. Mind you, we have one vehicle. I said, well, can you get it to a mechanic? And he's like, if I drive it any further, I might do it more harm. He's there on sunrise. All my children are here awaiting pickup. And he's almost near tears. What do I do? Call the insurance. I said, yeah, but you didn't hit a car. You don't even know what you hit. And what, what do we say? He hit something. He goes, well, I don't know what to do. And I'm all the way in Hawaii. It's 5 o'clock Florida time and 12 o'clock Hawaii time, and what am I supposed to do? Bless my husband. He thinks I have all the answers. <laughs> and so he's half wondering, how does this happen? But when, see, God is way ahead of us. Because he sends his own angels, this time in the form of Principal Rob, who came and brought our children and took them home, and we called a tow and helped our car get to the garage. But guess what? So now we are vehicle-less. And because it's not really covered under anything, because it's just, he don't, they don't know what he hit. So it's sitting in the shop. And God sent more of his angels in the form of Miss Laverne, Miss Alethea, Brother Mozart, Principal Rob, and they drove our kids back and forth to school. Then we had Brother Keith bring my family to church because they didn't know, we didn't know how we we're going to get to church. They were going to get to church. But we're still without wheels because the adjusters came back. So here's the thing. Because it was a pretty new car, we bought the warranty. We paid out thousands of dollars for this warranty. And you know how they do it? Well, everything else is covered except this. <laughs> except this one thing. If your wheel had been punctured, that would have been a problem, but your wheel's good, so everything, everything, has been everything else is covered except this. It'll cost $5,000 to repair. And we're sitting here, and of course, we kind of start to cry. I'm over there, he's over here. And then our AC in the house gives out. So now my children and my family are sweltering. And it's Christmas holidays, so who has, who's going to pop in at any given time to, to do this? And my husband said, why are we always being tested? How come when you leave, things fall apart? I don't understand. 
So it was my turn to do what he does. And I said, when we walk with God, Satan will always attempt to come at us. Even when we smile amidst our tears, Satan doesn't like it. So right now, even though it seems bad, you know, hallelujah, we're kind of doing something good. Because the praise, honey, let the praise never stop falling from our lips. Praise God for Sister Deborah Maudi and her husband who lent us their van so that he could pick us up from the airport. Praise God for Sister Kathy who lent us her car so we could go buy groceries. But folks, we are three days before Christmas without wheels. How do you do three days before Christmas with nine people in your house and no wheels? And then the, the other insurance adjuster from my car insurance says, can you tell me what happened again? Like, there was no vehicle? No, there was no vehicle. What was it? Uh, we don't know. He goes, well, if it was a rock, I can put it down as a rock and count it as a collision and we'll give you a rental. And I said, well, praise God, how long is that rental for? He goes, until your car is finished. But what do you need with the rental, folks? What do you need to rent it? A credit card. Pastor Jen doesn't have a credit card. Uh, and I said, I don't have a credit card. He's like, it, it's 2022, you don't have a credit card? Yes. I said, no, I don't. And, and I go, but I do have a debit card with very little on it. And he says, I will take that debit card and charge you 50 bucks and give it back to you after your rental is done. Praise God. We went through, so that was two days before Christmas Eve. We come here and there's a beautiful Christmas service. Didn't we have a beautiful Christmas service here? And that Christmas Eve, I was grabbing something from a friend and in exchanging things and putting things into the car, I left my phone on the hood of the car forgot about it and started driving. And as I'm going down Sunrise Boulevard, I see my phone start falling off the hood. And of course, I kind of gently attempt to swerve to pull over and the phone just goes the other way. And then I was like, oh, and right after that, the one car came and and I heard the phone just crunch. My mother was asleep on this side. She didn't realize I had, she felt the jolt when I pulled over and I checked to make sure is it safe to go out in the road and I go with high hopes that my phone is alive and I pick it up and this, the, everything is shattered and it's a wallet phone. So when I open the wallet, Sam's card, Costco card, all the cards are cracked in half. The only cards that were not touched was my debit card, my license, and my, com and, and my clergy card. The only cards that were not touched. And my mother wakes up as I get in the vehicle, and she's like, what's that? Why are we pulled over? What is wrong with your phone? A car ran over it. She goes, how are you gonna tell your husband? <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't know. I get home, and the first thing I said to him when I walked in the door is, don't be mad at me. And he goes, why? I go, just don't be mad at me. Promise me you won't be mad at me. He goes, what? And I showed him my phone. He's like, what'd you do? I said, a car ran over it. And he's like, only you. It is only me. So here I am, Christmas Eve, in a rented car, no phone, and a pastor cannot not have a phone. So I apologize to all of you who tried to get a hold of me, and I had to get a hold of you through Armando. Finally, three days ago, four, four of my family went into urgent care for various illnesses. We had to wait. It was a night of prayer, we, prayer meeting, and the wait was three to four hours. And I looked at my crew, and I had to chuckle, because I saw everything that was happening to me. And I said, Satan, you will not win. I will praise you. I will even laugh and cry as I praise Jesus, because you will not win. I looked around at my family, and I had everybody in my home. And I realized that some of us don't have that. And when I pay all my bills and look into an account and see almost zero, I praise God still because I know that he will provide. And the song that has been on my heart this whole week has been one that you all know. And when I look at 2022 just in my life, I praise God even through death because my family members are awaiting his coming. I look at my mom and I praise God even through her cancer because she sits there healed. I praise God even through my husband's diabetes and numerous hospitalizations because my husband is still standing there. I praise God even without no wheels because we have a rental. You, if you look hard enough, you will always find something to praise God about. But you need to choose to look and notice what he's doing in your life. In Hebrews, it says, Hebrews 15, it says, therefore, by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name, but do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. So we can't only let the praise just fall from our lips, we have to share with each other what God is doing. We have to follow through and we have to say, hey, this is what I can do. This is how I can share God with you. Even if it's just for an hour to get a car to get groceries. Sister Kathy, you shared God with me. Even if it's just running my kids back to school, Brother Mo, Principal Rob, you shared God with us. Even if it's just prayer, that's the best thing you are sharing God with me. 
So never let the praise fall from your lips as you look back on 2022 and look forward to 2023. I can tell you as I stand here that the song that has been on my lips has been, you are the one that we praise. You Hearts always hunger for, oh, our hearts always hunger for. You guys are singing it one more time. You are the one that we praise. You are the one we adore. You give the healing and grace. Our Hearts always hunger for, oh, our hearts always hunger for. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask you if you're finding a hard, it hard to praise today to come forward because God will help the praise fall from your lips. If you are looking and wondering what is it that God is calling you to do, how will he help you through? How can you praise even through what you've experienced and you're looking for a deeper relationship with him? I invite you to come forward and experience his love. He waits. He always waits for his children. And he always awaits for the praise to fall from their lips. Sister Marcia, the woman of praise. The woman of praise. Anyone else who wants to say, Lord, I don't know why this year has been what it's been, but I give it back to you. Father, I don't understand why these things are happening in my life, but I trust you to lead. Father, I'm hurting. I have nothing. My relationships are falling apart but I trust you as healer. Father, my body is breaking down. The doctors are telling me this, and I can't see a way, but you are my great healer. And I trust you. Father, I am broken. I'm addicted to things that I should not be addicted to. And I'm enslaved. But God, I know you can break the chains. Father, help me. Heavenly Father, you see your children coming forward. 
each with their own petitions, Father, struggling, but here standing before you in full faith, knowing that you are going to pour out a blessing upon them that they will not be able to contain. Knowing, Father, that they can say goodbye to what 2022 has been and look forward to what you will do in 2023. That they can look back and see how you've worked in their lives, Father. And because of that, because of their present circumstances, they say, Father, you have already won. Satan, step aside. Father, we come to you asking for your healing upon our broken bodies, knowing that you have power for full restoration. Father, we come to you for healing in our broken relationships, knowing that you can build bridges, Father. Father, we come, for, come to you asking for your provision because we don't have that job. We see our empty accounts, Father. We don't know where that next meal might come from. But because you, Father, own the bank of heaven, you will pour out your riches upon us and provide for our every single need. Father, we believe, and this is why we're here today. Father, we believe in your goodness and your mercy toward us. Father, we believe in the power that you hold to wield over Satan and enemies unseen. For you already won that battle at the cross. Father, therefore, we embrace you. We give everything and we lay everything right now at your feet. Not to pick it up, but allowing you to take hold of our lives and transform us, Father. And Father, we are going to praise you before it happens, because we know, Lord, that you are good and you will make it happen according to your will, Father. And everything that will fall from our lips, though we may not see it now, will be praise and honor to you. Thank you, Father, for your love toward us, for your sacrifice for us. Thank you for the promise of your soon return. Thank you, Father. Let the praise always fall from our lips. Amen. This podcast was brought to you by Plantation Seven-day Adventist Church, a Christ-centered congregation dedicated to spreading the good news of God's love through sermons, deeper dive conversations, and much more. If you would like to listen to more life lessons and inspirational content, please visit us at plantationsda.tv.